The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thank all of you for being an intentional spirit. In other words, we are all part of a spiritual life. We are all created by spirit. Um, It's a much more interesting life when we use tools and practical application because when we are on purpose with intention, we tend to be more focused on what we bring into and attract into our lives and understanding that we are co-creating. It's it's very freeing to understand no one is to blame um, except part of our own co-creative process. I'm fortunate today to be part of interviewing just an incredible human being who is um, one of these great leaders and self-actualized people on the planet, Peter Russell. Peter, welcome to our show today. Lovely to be with you, Temple. Oh, it's my it's my pleasure, and I just love the work that you're doing in the world. And you are a person that you're definitely offering a lot of tools to help people uh, become more intentional spirits. Um, how did you uh, get started on your intentional path? Was there an epiphany? Did you have an awakening? Um, was there a defining moment, or have you just been this way all your life? I think, actually, I'm one of these people who's been this way all my life, but it was very dormant. I, I, I didn't have any great epiphany. Um, I did have turning points where things got consolidated. But when I look back, I can see, you know, as a teenager, I was interested in the mind. And, you know, and this is way back in the 50s, 60s. You know, I heard about yoga. What was yoga? In those days, we thought yoga was you know, lying on beds of nails and things. And, but there was always that sort of dormant interest. But my real sort of real interest then was mathematics, physics. I was a budding scientist and I went to university, Cambridge in England, and was studying theoretical physics there and doing well. And but there's this nagging thing that in the background, I was really interested in the mind and human consciousness and realized that no matter how much physics I did, it was never going to answer the question of, how come I could do physics? How come I was aware and could think and do the mathematics and understand the world? And that struck me as an amazing thing. I could understand 
the understanding of the world was fascinating, but the fact I could understand it was even more fascinating, that I was actually a conscious, experiencing being. So I sort of, I drifted away from physics. I moved into psychology, neurophysiology, thinking that would help me understand the mind and consciousness. It helped me understand the brain a lot, but people weren't really interested in consciousness. And I gradually realized that the people who'd really studied consciousness were the mystics the spiritual adepts, the yogis, who looked inside themselves. I realized that was the way you study consciousness, not by studying the brain. That can give you certain information. But consciousness is subjective. It's our inner world. And so I got more and more interested in the East, in Eastern philosophy and meditation and went out to India to study meditation. I was involved with TM in those early days, Transcendental Meditation and lived with the Maharishi there in India for a while. And that was a that was a consolidation point, I think. It was a turning point because, I mean, as you can imagine, being a scientist as a kid, age about 13, I'd rejected conventional religion. It just seemed a load of mumbo-jumbo that didn't make much sense relative to the modern world. And what I realized when I was in India is there was something behind all the great religions. There was there was a common core, a common message, which over time had got lost or distorted. And so the religions appear very, very different on the surface. But I started becoming interested in what was that common core and realizing there was a, there was a spiritual message here and spiritual practices designed to help liberate us to become, the, you know, our, to live our full conscious potential. And that really began to fascinate me. So really, that's been my interest ever since in one way or another is just looking at what is that common essence and not just from a theoretical understanding, but in myself as well. I think you know, this work is about working with ourselves and living it ourselves. So that was, that was a significant point. And I also realized then that most of the problems in the world in one way or another came back to human decisions, human thinking, human needs, the human ego. And yet we always looked, we didn't know how to deal with the mind, with the spirit. And so we always looked out there to try and deal with the problems out there. And I just realized that we have to deal with our, with the human consciousness and really look at how can we free up human consciousness from its limited modes of functioning and it's been an you know an ongoing unfolding path ever since um, many things have come my way in terms of teachers and teachings and experiences all of which have just been consolidating this direction so it's been as i say it's a, been a gradual unfolding for me well i would say that you've accomplished quite a bit in 24,795 days on the planet. <laughs> I love that you've, uh, that you have that on your website, peterrussell.com, that every day is going to add, obviously, but that you're yes. 24,795 days old. 24,795. Yes. There could be a song in there somewhere, but we won't go there today. Yes. Um, and I just am fascinated by by that interest of yours, too, that on your website, that you have the world clock. How did that come about? 
that came about. I've all I was always interested in the bigger picture of what's going on in the world, statistics, and I had some stuff on my website looking at that, but it wasn't live. And then somebody just approached me and said, "Hey, you know, I can turn this into a live counter if you want. I can do the programming." And I said, "Great!" And so put that up on my site. And so what it is, it, it's statistics. It's counting not just the number of people on the planet second by second. It, it isn't actually counting them, of course, but it's actually, you know, estimating the number from the trends, but the number of people being born, but also goes into environmental issues, the rate at which we're producing carbon dioxide, the rate at which we're using resources. It's got about sort of, oh, 15 different, 20 different items there. And I just find it fascinating just to see, you know, in real time what's happening on the planet. That, that's always also been part of my work is is looking at the planet and how we how we can take care of it better, how we're getting in the way of its own well-being. So you know, some of my books have been very much about that, about that planetary perspective. Yeah, and I I, I think that you're coming from a place of of being realistic and practical, while at the same time. Um, doing the overage of what it's like to be a true student and, and to be in that connection. Um, I've been uh, referring to the world clock for years. I, I love it. Um, it. It's very fascinating when you watch and you watch the births and you watch the deaths and you see just the ongoing cycle of life. Um, that's one thing. And it, it's relativity that, you know, life is just moving along. I mean, every, every, like not even a second, it's just, just so quickly that people are being born and people are dying. But I also use it as a frame of reference because people are haunted by the C word called cancer. And I, I like to point out um, using your, um, and not meaning that disrespectful at all, but I like to point out using your world clock how that heart issues, issues around the heart, issues around our challenges of the heart, our bridge between the earthly dimension chakras, energy field, and heaven, which is our higher consciousness, that heart, that bridge, um, that three and four times uh, the amount of people every year die from heart-related issues than they do cancer. And that is um, always fascinates people because we tend to talk about cancer as being the one epidemic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, yes, it think, really puts I, it in perspective. Yeah, and I think because of the nature of cancer, it, it strikes a lot of fear into people's heart because it's like it's, it, it can often be for people a slow, you know, it builds up slowly, whereas the heart thing is much more invisible. And we don't, as you say, we, you know, a lot of we don't care for the heart or, you know, we're not the loving beings we could be. And we don't notice the impact of that until suddenly for people there's a there's a snap. But yeah, I, I think it's it's fascinating that, that the heart, yeah. you know, it's heart disease, but both on the physical and the, and the metaphysical level. Absolutely. Well, anyway, thank you for doing the clock. Um, <laughs> we we uh, really benefit from it so much. You have so many books, Peter. Um, and um, being an author, I know what goes into, you know, writing and creating that. Um, is there one particular book that you're the most proud of or uh, the one that you feel changed you in, in the process of discovering it and writing it? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, 
and three of my books come to mind in different ways for that. Um, okay. The one I actually love the most is a translation I did of the Upanishad, an old Indian teaching. Um, with a friend, we translated some of the Upanishads, and that was that was personally a fascinating experience because you know to translate these deep spiritual Indian texts, you've got to meditate on them deeply. You've got to really take yourself into the meaning of what they're saying, and and that was a deep spiritual meditation doing that translation. Unfortunately, it's not even available now. It went out of print a couple of years ago. But that, you know, that's a book, when I see it, you know, it just touches me that I did that and what it meant. Then, I was What would you, Peter, what would you say were, you know, some of the awarenesses that you received while working on that material? Did you have some kind of new insight or through that process of meditation, did you discover something significant for yourself? Um, yes, I think well, one, one thing was just seeing how they're all pointing to the same thing. It's like, and this awareness of I, the self, what do we mean by, what do we mean by I and the, the layers that obscure it. And as you're working with that, you begin to see the layers in yourself. And one line that really resonated with me as I was working on this and has stayed with me ever since is that is the line that the self reveals itself to itself by itself. And you know, so much of our spiritual seeking, you know, we're we're looking for that question: Who am I? What is the real self? And what that's saying is, you know, you can't you can't find it. You can, because if we find it, you're you know. It, the you that's finding it is not the you that you found. It's an old paradox. And that just really hit me that the self reveals itself to itself. And that's just been my experience over the years is that when we sit to meditate, for me, it's not about trying to get somewhere or have something happen, but just by quietening the mind, coming to a still place, you just begin to notice that sense of presence, beingness, self, pure self, whatever you want to call it. It just reveals itself to you. You don't have to go anywhere to find it. It's, it's ever present, but we don't notice it because it's veiled by uh, our thinking mind and all the stories we get involved in and our needs and all that stuff that we get wrapped up in. We just we fail to notice what is there all along. So that and was so, that, yeah, one of on. the one of the things that you are um, somewhat identifying, and excuse me for talking on top of you, it's kind of that new cell phone, you know, connection <laughs> stuff. Um, that I, I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, I mean, one of the things that that people when they're seekers. You know, and they're looking for like now the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. They say, well, you know, well, now I hear that, you know, I can get some great results in my life by meditating. You know, so Mm -hmm. a lot of people approach meditation as a way to get something where it's really it's a gift. If if I'm hearing that and what you're saying, what I love about the way that you're highlighting it is you're saying meditation is more of a gift 
it has a it's a, it's a non agenda experience that you're yeah. not really trying to get something or because you do it you're going to get some kind of uh, measurable like good things are going to happen to you it's mm-hmm. more of a gift that you're giving to yourself because you are good and things are mm-hmm. happening within you is that um a distinction or yes i i would say that that fits yes i mean the way i frame it is is that it's letting go it's completely it's allowing yourself to completely relax the attention to just become soft and to be in a mode of receiving and accepting what is there and that you know the gift fits into that you know with a gift we what we do is we receive it we don't we don't make it happen we don't go and find it we just receive what is what is given to us and i feel in meditation as as the mind quietens down we come into that mode of just accepting what is and in that I mean, I find great, great beauty, great love, great peace. All these things come, come to me. Well, even that's not correct. They don't come to me so much as I discover they're there already and they, they reveal themselves to me is the way I would frame it. And I'd like to um, make mention to everyone because um, that was something that really caught my eye uh, because I have so many people as a spiritual leader ask me, well, what is meditation? And um, I've been, you know, busy all my life and, you know, I'm used to noise and, you know, so many people are surrounded by TVs, radios, noise, banging noise, making noise, noise, that, you know, it's shocking for people to think of, wow, how could I possibly be in the quiet? But I, I want to highlight that on Peter Russell's uh, website, peterrussell.com, that on the homepage, he actually has a title, How to Meditate Without Even Trying. <laughs> and what you can do is you can download a free introduction um, to get a sense of what it means to meditate without trying and also how to be present. Um, we're talking with Peter today. Um, he has he is the author of how many books now, Peter? Eight? Um, ten. Oh, there you go. Ten. (laughs) See how fast you're writing those books? That world clock just went up a few more notches. He is the author of ten books. He is someone that is a change agent and making a difference on our planet today, and we're very grateful for his work. I'm Temple Hayes, and we'll be right back after this short break. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Are we nearing the end of the world? Reading the book of Revelation, you might think so, and it doesn't end well. But is it possible that the Bible's darkest story is a positive tale? Author Ed Townley, host of the Unity Online radio show, The Bible Alive, thinks so. A Bible enthusiast, 
Townley focuses on the metaphysical meanings rather than the literal text. In Kingdom Come, new from Unity Books, Townley takes a fresh approach to Revelation. The kingdom, Townley explains, doesn't await us in the afterlife. It's ours to experience today as we learn to find the good even in our darkest challenges. Explore Revelation in a new light. Order the book Kingdom Come online today at unitybooks.org. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with Rev. Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Rev. Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. We're um, listening to the wisdom of Peter Russell at PeterRussell.com. He is a change agent. He is a renowned author traveling the globe, uh, author of 10 books, offering spiritual tools and ways in which we can connect and uh, support each other in a consistently changing world. Um, Peter, um you have such a, a strong and, and great reputation out in the field for really uh, helping put things in, into common sense. And that's kind of one of my, uh, if you will, hot buttons. Or let's say if I were, if I were known in my life for a bumper sticker, um, I would want to be noted as saying, uh, please don't ever let your spirituality replace common sense. Um, I mean, I, I, I really feel passionately about that, that um, that's kind of a, an art that at times I feel like we're losing just good old simple common sense <laughs> about everyday life. Um, I wanted to hear, you know, what, what are some of your thoughts? I mean, people, they, they are always talking about our planet and, you know, where we are, where we're not. Um, how do you put that in perspective for yourself when you do your spiritual work around mm-hmm. our earth? Are we, are we waking up more? Are we more asleep? Are we part of the walking dead? You know, what's happening with us in your opinion, of course. Yes. Yes. Um, I think we're living through the most fascinating time ever in human history. And we are, we are witness to it. 
And of course, at the same time, we're trying to make sense of it and what's happening. And it's and it's happening on different levels. I mean, as a, you know, as an ex-scientist, I'm fascinated by what's happening in science, particularly the physical sciences, you know, quantum theory, cosmology, looking out to the edges of the universe, back in time, down into the deep structure. It's like, you know, as I said at the beginning, here we are, a species that can know the universe, and our knowing is getting, just in the last 10, 20 years, so rich. It's almost like day by day new discoveries. And so we are the universe knowing itself on its outer level. And that I find is fascinating. And then that, of course, is spinning off technologies which are coming faster and faster and faster. So we're seeing the results of all that science in our lives. And we forget, you know, our, our, little, port our little cellular phones are actually quantum machines. They work on quantum mechanics with chips and things. We forget how all that spins off into our life. And then the second thing is, you know, the downside of all this development and consumption which we're seeing in the, the basically what we call the environmental ecological crisis, which has many different aspects to it, whether it's shortage of supplies, minerals, water, that sort of thing, or the pollution and carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. All of this, which gives people great concern and it's easy to focus on that and say you know we're making a complete mess of things and you know people say well you know humanity is awful um i don't think there's i don't think there's any blame there at all it's just it's part of it's part of this unfolding and yes we are in a very very serious situation which really needs focused attention to navigate our way through and then there's a third thing which isn't noticed so much by regular media, which is what you alluded to, the, the spiritual awakening that's happening. And this is happening as fast or even faster than the scientific and technological development. And I say that because, I mean, in my own experience, when I first started getting interested in this back when I was at college, that was in the 60s. And in those days, there was hardly anything on spirituality outside of organized religion. I know in my local bookstore in Cambridge, which was the second biggest bookstore in England, there was one shelf up in a corner on what I would call alternative spirituality books by, you know, Paul Brunton, Christopher Isherwood, that sort of thing, Alan Watts. They were few and far between. Now you go into any medium-sized town and you have bookstores devoted to this area and all of that is coming from people making their own explorations their own discoveries wanting to share that with others reading what others have written going to their lectures listening to them watching them on the internet and what i see is we have a a collective learning system here where we are all learning from each other about what awakening is, what is the essence of spirituality, but more importantly, how do we actually come to this awakening? How do we awaken ourselves? And so there's a you know, plethora, a whole range of techniques and approaches to allow this awakening to happen in ourselves. And I see this is this is happening faster and faster, just the sheer numbers of people on the planet now engaged in this. Just in the USA alone now, there's something approaching 
30 million people doing yoga, um, which is, you know, a, an entry point into this whole world for people. They then, you know, in yoga, they start learning about meditation and maybe interest in other things. That, you know, that wasn't there 40, 50 years ago. So just, just in half a century, the awakening across the planet has been blossoming. And what I'm seeing now is our own culture is producing its own fully-fledged spiritual teachers. I mean, back in the 60s, 70s, we all went off to India like I did because that's where we felt the great teachers were. I mean, they, other teachers were around as well, but that's where we headed. Now when people say, oh, I want to go to India, I say, no, no, no. You have far higher quality spiritual teachers right here in your own communities. And, you know, people like you know Eckhart Tolle, I mean, somebody who had an awakening experience, what he's done through just his own communication and making things very, very simple and how through, you know, being on things like, you know, with Oprah Winfrey, just how far that's reached people and touched people. And all of this, I mean, there's many other teachers like this as well. I just count him as one example. Just how deeply this is getting embedded into our society. And I think we will look back and see this time as the time of the the Great Awakening, something like that. Um, but as I say, the media, either Time magazine does its occasional features on meditation or yoga or alternative healing, but it's largely missed because we're so seduced either by the latest operating system for your iPhone or the latest calamity on the environmental level. But what I see happening, we're moving into a future where we are going to have scientific understanding and technology beyond anything we can dream of now we're going to be in a world which is in you know deeper into crisis with more and more people coming from a state of clarity from a state of love not coming from fear or anxiety and i don't know how that's going to play out but i i think we are moving into we are in unprecedented times and going to move into if you can say it, even more unprecedented times as all this unfolds. So I, I see, yes, there is, there is a great awakening happening and the other sides that people see are also happening, but that doesn't negate the awakening. I think it, it's really happening and getting more and more mainstream and broad. I mean, I've, I've um, truly like interviewed people that indicate that you know, with our oceans and certain things, we only have a few le- uh, years left to self-correct. Um, and I, I think that that's very objective. And yet, um, we also want to be mindful that we don't want to feed the fear. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, there's again, there's the we need the common sense, um, but also we need to um, to be aware of that things can. Um, self-correct things can turn around and that there are many people and that that's what I like with the statistical part of it is because it's um it's the mind proving itself with not only like you said just theory but yet with uh bottom line facts as that you know changes are occurring and um and they're happening rapidly that's very encouraging uh hearing you say these things Yes, and I think, yeah, and what we can do is just, 
I mean, for me, what I can do is just play on the team that I want to see win, which is the team of the awakening team. And so that's where I devote my energies in terms of how can I help that in one way or another? And also, how can I do that in myself? Because it's one thing to talk about it, but I have to be able to practice it, to live it, to move in that direction myself. Otherwise, it's just hot air. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's so imperative that if if everybody, you know, we used to say um, a number of years ago when I was a pioneer of a, a community and, you know, we'd go in, we'd put up the chairs, we'd take the chairs down, we'd have to set up the equipment, we'd do this, we'd do that, you know, and there came that statement, you know, many hands make light work. Uh, many hands make light work. And I think that's kind of cool because on another level, we could say, you know, many hands make light workers, right? <laughs> from a from a metaphysical uh, perspective that um, there's something that all of us can do every day or once a week, um, some simple things that we can do that are part of the change instead mm-hmm. of sitting on the sidelines and, and thinking somebody else is doing it or um, why isn't anyone doing it? Or uh, what do you feel, Peter? Or some of the things we can do to be proactive, um, support our planet, uh, support our our culture, our communities, and those kind of things. Yes. Well, there's. I mean, there's a number of things. I mean, a couple, or maybe more, that are things that I find just valuable for myself. It's and it's really about. Um, changing one's own attitude, one's own functioning. And and one of the things we get caught up in is our attachment to how things should be or what we want. And that leads us to waste a lot of time or energy chasing things that aren't really um, leading to our own spiritual fulfillment. And so when I find myself caught, you know, I must have this or I want to do this, I'll just stop and just say, hang on, you know, if I, if I really, you know, if I really got this, would I actually be any happier or would, you know, would, would my happiness last more than five minutes? And the answer is probably not. And then the other question turning it around is if I don't have it, can I still be happy? And the answer is always yes. And it's just that release of realizing our own inner well-being our own happiness does not depend upon what we have or do in fact it's the opposite it's the wanting things the wanting to have something the wanting to do something that actually creates discontent and gets in the way of our natural state of contentment so the more we can return to that natural state of contentment then i think we are in a better position to decide what does the world really need from us what does what does the situation really demand from us so instead of coming from our ego we're just coming from our own inner wisdom so that's a really important thing it's just those two questions is that if i you know if i got this would i really be happy and then the converse if i don't have it could i still be happy and i say the answer nearly is always yes to the second one so that's one thing i i try to apply in my own life Another thing which I feel feel is just as important is how we how we relate to others. I think you know the the one thing that 
well, there's several things, but, but one of the things that really unites us is that we all, we all ultimately want the same thing. We all want to be happy, to be at peace, um, to feel loved, to love, to feel loved. None of us want to be, you know, criticized, judged. We don't want to suffer or feel pain. That's something we all share. We may have different ways in which we go about that. But under deep, deep down, we all want the same. And what often happens is we fall into situations where we feel slightly hurt. You know, you might say something to me completely innocently, well-meaning, but because of my own patterns, I mishear it and feel slightly hurt. Then I'll come back to you with a slight edge of maybe my tone of voice and you feel slightly hurt. And people so easily get into interactions where you have two people wanting to be loved, wanting to be appreciated, playing this game of, if I just hurt you a tiny bit, you will realize the error of your ways and love me better. And of course, it, it doesn't work. And we just go into the downward spiral. The opposite of that, which I really practice and encourage people to practice, is really just the principle of kindness, which is in any interaction, whatever it is, whatever I say or do with a person, how can I say this or do this in such a way that the other person feels good on hearing it, that they feel loved, they feel supported rather than judged or criticized. So I'm taking care of their inner world. Like, okay, how can I take care that this person feels good, that they feel nurtured, they feel loved, they whatever the interaction is, they are going to feel more awakened than before. And just by holding that as an intention, I find magic begins to happen in our lives, particularly in our sort of relationships one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's with partners or work colleagues or family, people where we interact with a lot. When you begin to do this and just make your intention in any interaction that the other person feel feel loved and appreciated. It, it really opens things up. And if we all did that to each other around the world, I think we'd be living in a very, very different world. Those, those are just it, a couple of things I do. Yeah. I love that. I love the practicality of that. Um, we often say when we open here at um, Unity Campus um, that we are humankind and let us remember the second part of that word <laughs> about yes. the kind part. You know, and the is. necessity it, it, of being kind, it just it just makes such a difference. You know, the the golden rule, and I yes. think that's what you and I are talking about, is that common sense part is just simply treat people as you would desire to be treated. We're talking today with Peter Russell. He is the author of 10 books. He travels all over the world. He created the World Clock, and you can go to it right on his website, and you can enter the date you were born, and it will tell you how many days young you are. I'm 20,310 days young, and I am thrilled that I've had that many days on this um, planet. We'll be right back after this short break. Thank you, everyone, for being with us.
ask with childlike wonder, what is the nature of God? Who is Jesus? What is the Christ? How do we know what we know? When you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical, intangible aspects of life, you are, on some level, a student of metaphysics. New from Unity House and nearly five years in the making, Heart-Centered Metaphysics, a deeper look at Unity teachings is now available. This is Paul Hasselbeck, author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart-Centered Metaphysics speaks to truth-seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. Then click on Shop. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Rev. Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. And I just want to thank all of you for uh, sharing our radio show, uh, The Intentional Spirit, with all of your friends and with social media. Because of you, we are in many countries in the world, and I'm just so grateful and humbled by by your unwavering support. Thank you for coming online and visiting us at, at Unity Campus and also reading about the nonprofit uh, work that I do uh, involving our planet. And you can do that by going to templehaze.org. We're talking to Peter Russell today. He is one of the leading experts on uh, a wide range from physics to metaphysics to consciousness. Peter, consciousness is often, you know, one of those big words. Um, yeah. <laughs> talk to us about that in a way of, um, of of breaking it down in which people can understand the matter of consciousness and how yes. we're using it even when we're not aware that we're using it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think the very word consciousness is a mistake because Consciousness is a noun, and so we start thinking that consciousness is something, and that maybe it's something we have or something we discover, and scientists are looking at what is this thing called consciousness. And I think that's a mistake. It's interesting. When you add N-E-S-S, ness, to the end of a word, you take an adjective and you turn it into a noun in order to talk about it. So we talk about happiness. Happiness, in a sense, doesn't exist, 
what exists is the feeling of being happy, but we talk about it as, as happiness. And it's the same thing with consciousness. In a sense, consciousness isn't a thing that exists, but what is true is that we are all conscious. I mean, th the fact that you and I are conscious is probably the one thing that we cannot deny. If we weren't conscious, we wouldn't be experiencing. All experience is something we are conscious of. And so it isn't, consciousness isn't something we have. It's what we are. We are conscious. We are conscious beings. And everything we know is an experience in, in that conscious awareness. So although we use the word consciousness to talk about things, I think it's important to realize what we're talking about is this very, very basic fact of we are conscious. And that relates back to what we were talking about earlier, the whole nature of I and, and the self. Because, again, people look, you know, what is the self? What, what do we mean by I? And I think the I is something we all know very, very well. It's so familiar. And it's not about knowing the ego I or some um, construct I. When I use the word I, I'm using it to refer to that deep, deep sense of being. It's really that aspect of being conscious. The I here that is conscious of me right now talking to you is the same I that was conscious of what I did yesterday, what, I, what happened last year. It's the same I that was conscious of what I was doing when I was a teenager. That never changes. And this to me is the essence of, of being conscious is that we are experiencing and there is this sense of being which we label I. And I think this is what many of the great spiritual traditions have been pointing to, this question of, you know, who am I? And when you discover this deep sense of I-ness that's always there, you're really discovering the essence of how it feels to be a conscious being. And I think the great value of that is when we, when we discover that sense of presence in ourselves, which is always there, then the ego mind, that separate sense of self, doesn't dominate us so much. It's, it's not in control so much because when we touch into this this innate sense of being, there's a sense of okayness. It's almost a sense of perfection about everything. We don't need to be chasing things so much because we feel deep, deep down, there's this deep sense of okayness and ease. And that to me is, is the, real, the real value of exploring what it means to be conscious is discovering this sense of personal being, the sense of I-ness, and that then frees us up to engage in the world in ways that are appropriate to the world around us rather than following the needs of a separate self which is living in fear, because this deep sense of I, I mean, one of the aspects of being conscious is that there is love there, that 
consciousness, you could say one of the qualities of conscious being conscious is love. And again, all the great traditions are pointing to that and the need to discover that deep, unconditional love which is always there. But it gets covered up, veiled by our thinking mind. And so as we explore our own inner world and just explore what it means to be conscious and begin to touch into the sense of I, we're really freeing ourselves to be able to come out and be in the world in a much more loving and compassionate way. We used to say in the uh, early days of metaphysics that the conscious is the knower and the subconscious is the doer. That's interesting. Um, yes, I mean, definitely the co- the conscious is the knower. I mean, I would say, you know, to be conscious is to know. Mm-hmm. Almost, in fact, that's what the word conscious means. I mean, it's with con scire from the Latin to know. It's with knowing. So it's deeply connected. Yes, so consciousness is the knowing. And the doing comes from, yes, so much of our doing comes from automatic. Right? It's responding to things in habitual ways. But then there is that, that I think as we open up to who we really are, then our doing can become much more intentional rather than automatic. And so would you liken, um, you know, often when, when, um, when people are, you know, they're, when we're not into the present, you know, when we're like all these things are, are running through our minds and we're multitasking and all these kind of things, um, I, I kind of liken it to like when you have your computer and you've gone to the Internet for several different things. And so your computer is running um, all these different programs at the same time. Running, 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 running. And often we say, well, you know, we're slowing our computer down because we have all these things running, you know. <laughs> and there mm-hmm. uh, is, would that be how you would articulate, well, that's uh, the way it is with our, with our minds when we're going in so many different directions. We have less vitality, less energy, and less ability to be as knowing because we have all this stuff going on, all these layers. Yes, yes. It does two things. Um, all this busyness, it takes our attention out of the present moment because it's nearly always about you know getting something done, making something happen, going somewhere, or even just being absorbed in doing something on the computer. We lose our awareness of how our bodies are, what's happening around us. So it takes us out of the present moment. But it also creates a lot of tension in the mind because when we're focusing on something, that creates a bit of tension, just the act of focusing. If we're focusing on this and then that and then doing this and then stopping this coming in and disturbing us, we set up walls around us to allow us to focus on one thing and not be distracted. That takes a lot of energy. And I think one of the reasons you know, so many people feel fatigued these days is not because you know, they're doing too much. I mean, that may be part of it, but they're actually focused on too many things and the mind isn't relaxed. And when you, when you let the mind relax, there's this feeling of, ah, oh, oh, 
and this energy begins to return and you realize how much energy it was taking doing all these different things and keeping focused. And that's one of the reasons I think meditation is so valuable. It's just, you know, in each and every day to be able to pause, whether it's for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes or even for a minute or two, just to pause and let go of that busy mind and just begin to sink back into our natural state of being is so refreshing and so needed. Just to be awake. I, I love, I've always loved that. That's one, one of my favorite stories of um, Buddha. You know, when people were saying, how, how did you do it? You know, how did you become so enlightened? How did you become so magical and so amazing? And he said, I became awake. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is just what the word Buddha means in the Pali language. It's just Buddha means awake. You know, that's the title. It just means one who is awake. And I mean, in a sense, we are all awake. We are all conscious, but we are not fully conscious of being conscious. We are not fully awake to our own inner wakefulness. We're caught up in all the stories and tasks and activities. We learn not to run so many windows at the same time, right, Peter? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if we if we if we have to, then in your analogy, we learn to switch the computer off now and again, put it to sleep, and go and smell the roses. Yes, exactly. Well, what a visit we've had today with Peter Russell. Peter Russell uh, travels all over the world. You can access his website, PeterRussell.com, for his upcoming events. Um, and uh, follow him. You can also download the, the, the free advice of how to do meditation without even trying. Peter, would you like to leave us with um, a, a, one of your you know, last provocative uh, thoughts that we can take with us for the rest of the day? Um, oh, one that comes to mind is one of my own little sayings, which is, seek and ye shall not find which is totally contrary to the normal, but the point of that is it's often the act of seeking that actually takes us away from what we're really looking for. In a spiritual sense, what we're looking for is that, that inner presence, being, ease, love, and the, act, the actual act of seeking tightens the mind and takes us in the opposite direction to what we want. So I sometimes say, seek and you shall not find, but if you stop seeking you will realize what you're looking for is already there. Oh, it's very powerful. Seek and you shall not find because you will come to the understanding that all is and it is all right here. It's been a pleasure having you on the show today, Peter. Thank you so much for being with us and thank you for the work that you're doing in the world and for celebrating a global God like so many of us. Thank you for your part and. um, and co-creating really, with the planet. What an honor. really enjoyed it. Thank you. Myself. God bless you. Okay. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone, for being with us, and we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. 
Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you. But God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Are you saying to yourself, I'm going to focus on me starting Monday, or right after the holidays, or on my next birthday? Well, we are here to say, don't wait another moment. Your health is the most important gift you have for yourself and those you love. Start now to become a more vibrant, healthy human being. Take that critical first step and join us every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central on Awaken to Your Best Health, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Mayhem to Miracle, from Disaster to Divine, Rants to Revelations Radio finds the opportunities for spiritual growth in everyday moments. Drawing from current headlines to pop culture, Reverend Ogan blurs the lines between the sacred and the profane, bringing meaning to the meaningless, with guests who are dedicated to transforming the world for good. Join Ogan live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central for Rants to Revelations Radio. 
Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.